All right, friends, we're back for your favorite podcast of the week. It is Location Weekly. It's episode number 564, and we're recording on April the 12th. Uh, Brianna, how are you? I'm good. I'm doing well. I'm obviously in a different location. Um, my husband and I are having a little little adult uh, mini vacation yeah. um, in Asheville, North Carolina. So hanging out at a very cool bed and breakfast, Applewood Manor, highly recommended if you ever come to Asheville and just, you know, enjoying art and walking around and not having an agenda for a couple of days. So <laughs> our kids. yes, our kids, that's you. How are you? Good. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, the weather's like really improving a lot, like almost every day right now, it's just getting warmer and nicer and so that's really good. Baseball started. I got to go to the home opener on Friday uh, and watch my Jays come back from 7 nothing down to win 10-8. Uh, so that was good. And um, yeah, you know, otherwise, uh, you know, things are just rolling along and, uh, you know, lots uh, in the hopper for the LBMA um, in the next couple of months. And we get conferences moving again and other things. But uh, yeah, it's good. It's busy. It is busy. I I did watch the Braves home opener. It was not as successful as the Blue Jays, but um, I'm also hoping by the time we get back to New York, the weather is a little bit warmer too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I can do without all this pollen in the South. I'll tell you what, it's, uh, I, I do not miss that at all. <laughs> right. right. Well, should we well, jump into it? Let's do it. Yeah. Four stories as usual. I'll let you kick it off. All right. So Tommy Hilfiger is showing off their spring collection in a unique way. Um, so right now on the iconic Piccadilly lights in London, um, they're kind of changing up the, the consumer experience a little bit with an AR triggered uh, via QR code coming from that big screen. So now users can scan that QR code and not only will they get this 3D scene, which is combining video content, um, but they can also click through to get to the online store and they can also get directions to the nearest store, which is just down, um, you know, down the corner on Regent Street. And so this is really interesting. You know, I like that they are linking digital out of home all the way either to e-commerce or into the actual physical retail store and driving that in, you know, in-store traffic as well as capturing, I would assume, um, you know, a good amount of data. Uh, for both the media owner and the advertiser. So I think this is really interesting. The campaign's called Make Your Move. Um, and then they have some further brand experiences they're touting within the, the Regent Street store, uh, their flagship store. So the agency on this was PSI, which is the global out of home division of Dentsu International. Um, you know, Piccadilly Lights are owned, uh, which are in London's Western, are owned by Landsec and operated by Ocean Outdoor. And then they're using a product called Video Mega Screen uh, for the 3D video from a company called Darabase. So, you know, a bunch of different companies coming together to make this possible. But, you know, I think a lot of times when we see those big lights and those big screens, there's not necessarily a call to action. And I like that there's multiple calls to action here and multiple um, you know, tracks that are leading to actual path to purchase uh, beyond just an experience. So for me, this is a win, you know, it's kind of combining the best of location experience, but also driving towards um, that path to purchase. So it's a win for me. What do you think? 
Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, obviously, the location of what they're doing this, you know, it, it, um, with the Piccadilly lights, uh, it's iconic. It's, you know, it's been used for so many different experiences over the years. And so, you know, obviously, just being there in the first place is high exposure, um, high traffic, uh, visibility. But, I, you know, I think what, for me, is the key to this story, um, as you pointed out, is is really about you know, how do we go directly from seeing something on the screen to driving, you know, traffic and footfall to the, the physical store, the online store. Um, and they found a way to kind of do that and, and measure that. And um, often, you know, with out of home, it's more about brand awareness and, you know, just sort of getting your, uh, your imagery and your message across um, and much harder to kind of look at conversion. But you know they've you know addressed that here with this and and I also like that it combines sort of you know a 3D sort of AR type experience here which you know we're seeing every day now um, you know with that sort of real conversion call to action piece so um, mm -hmm. I like it it's kind of bridging you know sort of the physical and the digital and and the retail all together uh, in one in one go so it's I think it's pretty cool um, yeah. All right, jumping on to our second story now. We're sticking with uh, the UK here. Um, and Cadbury is uh, just a few weeks ago did something pretty interesting. Um, and so I, like I'm, you know, I'm not in this in this category myself, but uh, apparently, um, you know, a lot of people, you know, when you uh, when there's promotions on for vegan food uh, or meals or uh, what have you, you know, lots of people, um, you know, sort of apparently send a lot of mean tweets uh, to companies and, and, you know, and, and people uh, who fall into that category. And so, um, you know, Cadbury decided that they wanted to kind of turn this around a little bit and change people's mindsets. And they actually have a vegan uh, chocolate uh, now uh, available uh, under their brand. So they decided to uh, set up a, a sort of temporary store um called the mean tweet shop um in soho london and basically it takes people's uh mean tweets um that are you know like uh you know going against vegan food and turning those tweets the messages that are on those tweets into wrappers for their plant-based chocolate bars and so you could go into this store uh it was open like i said just a, a few weeks ago up until march 27th and, um, you know, they, as, as they say, the best way to turn hate into love is by providing free chocolate. And so you could just go in and grab one of these chocolate bars and the wrapper's got, you know, these tweets on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, like, I, you know, I think it's interesting, you know, anytime you can kind of create some sort of pop-up, you know, retail experience and, but do it in a cheeky, fun way that drives a lot of traffic. It's not just about selling something. Um, you know, I think it's interesting. And, and these are all free uh, chocolate bars that they were just handing out. Um, you know, like, and just to point out some of the tweets that they said, like, um, you know, yeah, vegan chocolate is vile. Um, you know, um, vegan chocolate sounds grim. Like, you know, just things like that, that they were putting on these, uh, you know, on these wrappers. Um, and uh, yeah, so trying to just spin that around and say, hey, like, you know, embracing that this is a growing segment uh, in our population uh, and certainly for them as a, as a uh, you know, chocolate maker and, and uh, manufacturer, 
um, and uh, you know, growing their base of uh, of, uh, of vegan chocolate consumers at the same time, you know, and having a lot of fun with it. What are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I think it's hilarious that people have such strong opinions about others' lifestyle and dietary choices <laughs> that nobody's making them choose. Um, you know, like get a life. But I think that it's great that they're taking something that was intended for, you know just spite and hate and using it for good and fun. It's like, Hey, thanks for the free content. Um, and so I think that it is, it is fun. It is, um, it's like a little bit edgy too. Um, but it's definitely drawing attention and I, and I like that they thought of this. I mean, it's good. It's good. Not a lot to add, like nothing super, you know, I don't know, advanced or, you know, nothing crazy about it, but it's just creative. And, and I like the minds that, that came up with it for sure. Yeah, I, I think it is too. And I think, you know, like, I guess the only piece for me that I didn't quite see in the story was, you know, once you go there and you try the chocolate and, you know, hopefully you like it, you know, is there some sort of way to then capture, you know, social, you know, uh, media coming out of that, that they can kind of leverage, right? Um, further, so, um, you know, maybe something on the wrapper that they could kind of point, you know, scan and post or whatever. I don't know, but um, yeah. 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 I mean, I could definitely see myself. Um, I'm not a vegan, but I would definitely try some vegan chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate's like chocolate. That. It's good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and if I can say it's plant-based, I mean, all the better. It makes me feel yeah. happier for eating it. All right, so let's uh, go to something a little bit more, you know, location-based here is a drone announcement and Wing, um, you know, is, an, is announcing again that they are releasing drone delivery service of medicine and ice cream and some other fun things too. So they are debuting their drone-based delivery service from the parking lot of a Walgreens store in Little Elm, Texas. So if you are in that area, um, definitely check this out. And if you didn't know, Wing is an Alphabet subsidiary. So, um, you know, they are the first, this is the first customer operated uh, drone fleet, you know, really trying to be direct to, to consumer type of a play, not necessarily for just deliveries for business to business or something like that. But what they're allowing customers to do now is they can choose um, Walgreens items, they can order Bluebell ice cream, uh, pet prescriptions from EasyVet and um, first aid kits from Texas Health Resources. So right now they're limiting this to, you know, just tens of thousands of suburban homes in that area and Frisco and Little Elm. Um, and the wing employees are the ones who are coordinating these deliveries. So, you know, the, the deliveries that are coming from places other than Walgreens, they'll have to kind of stage them, have a staging area and put them together. Um, but, you know, they've done, we had talked about this on the show, you know, it's been a while, but they had done a, a delivery service in Christiansburg, Virginia. Um, they tested in Finland. Apparently they've tested the most in Australia. They've done most of their 200,000 commercial drone deliveries there. Um, and the deliveries are made within 10 minutes of dispatch. Um, and the drones have a range of 12 miles round trip. So, you know, obviously it's a pretty limited area when you're thinking about like suburban America. Um, but when you think about 12 miles in a, you know, in a New York city, that's a pretty big range. So there's a lot, I think of, um, you know, there's a lot of like hope for how this 
progresses in the future and how that would work. Uh, they did say that not everyone was going to be able to order on day one. So they're obviously ramping this up and testing it out. And, um, you know, I think this is really interesting. The more, you know, straight to consumer we can get, the easier the delivery gets, taking out kind of um, aspects around like traffic and gas perhaps, or, you know, all of these other things that can cause friction and, and removing those friction points is always a great way to consider, like how do we advance um, delivery for the future? So, you know, this again, these are these tests have been limited. They've been in like more suburban areas. They've been small in scale, but they're continuing to do this. And it will be something that, you know, grows and is probably a norm in the future. How that looks in more condensed areas will be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited to kind of continue to keep this on our radar. I don't think this is going to be like, okay, this year, next year, this is mainstream. Um, there's a lot that still has to be worked out, but uh, not only from like a tech perspective, but from, you know, delivery zones, like how do they deliver, um, you know, how fast can they actually like recharge the drones and get all of those things going. So there's just a lot of like little loose ends that have to be figured out, but I love that they're continuing to test this. And if you are in that area, we would love to hear kind of your experience if you're able to be one of those, those deliveries, you know, what do you think? Yeah. Um... So yeah, I, I agree. I think this has a lot of potential, um, whether it's Wing or any of these, you know, sort of drone delivery uh, services that are popping up all over the place. But, you know, I, I, I think, you know, you, you hit on a couple things there that, you know, resonate with me, which, you know, the high gas prices, you know, and things like that, that you know, we were talking about last week. You know, I, I think finding ways to, you know, sort of get around that with, um, you know, not having to be in traffic, not having to, you know, sort of, you know, worry about, you know, all of that and adding these surcharges that we have, you know, to cover fuel costs or whatever on Uber Eats and things like that, you know, I think become really interesting and, and make something like a drone delivery service viable. The other thought that popped into my head as you were talking is, you know, I, so my parents, you know, they live in a high rise seniors condo, you know, unit. You know, and maybe for for that uh, segment of the population, you know, getting out to go get prescriptions and things like that becomes more challenging. But here you're talking about, you know, a high rise, you know, con condo unit. Right. And, you know, how do you you know, how do you address that? And so the thing that was going through my head is, is like, well, you know what, at least in that particular building, every every unit has a balcony that faces out, outwards. Um, and so you know, what if like you could, you know, sort of team up with somebody like what three words, have your balcony be an address and then have the drone just deliver right to your balcony, right? Uh, or something like that. I think that becomes really viable for me, you know, what, you know, because then you have, you know, sort of a segment of the population that doesn't necessarily, you know, get out as easily to go to the store to get what they need. Um, and getting something delivered, you know, to a, a building where there's like a lobby and security and, you know, all of that to walk through, you know, it has its own challenges. But if you can go right to that person's balcony because you, it's addressable, um, you know, that becomes really interesting. So maybe there's a, a partnership there that uh, could be explored. Just throwing I think that, that Yeah, I was, I was thinking more about also like, is there a way that the top of the buildings 
can now have like a receiving area, right? Yeah. So like they receive the shipments and maybe there's somebody that mans that for the building or, you know, residents have access to that area and can go in and get it because obviously you're not going to leave something on a doorstep, you know, for an apartment building in New York City or, you know, if your parents didn't have a balcony, like what would be the option? So I think there's just a lot to consider, but yeah. for sure, like how good can these drones fly? Can they drive? Can they fly and kind of like put it into the balcony? I don't know. That would be great, right? <laughs> yeah. It'd be cool. It'd be cool. I don't know. But uh, anyways, lots to think about there. And I think definitely the timing is, is right for these kinds of services now to uh, start to be trialed and, and, and actually work. So, all right, on to our final story. So we're going to jump over to Germany now, uh, where the elevator manufacturing company Schindler, uh, we've all seen their elevators and buildings we've been in. Uh, uh, over the years, um, but they've decided that uh, they want to get into the digital out-of-home screen space, you know. So if you've been in any sort of major downtown financial district here in Toronto or New York or anywhere, and you hop in the elevator, you've probably seen a screen, you know, with some sort of advertising running on it or the local weather or news, you know, or ticker, you know, from the stock exchange or those kinds of things. Um, and historically, uh, you know, these uh, uh, these types of, of services have been operated by, uh, you know, actually a Toronto-based company called Elevator News Network or Captivate is the other major player in the space. This is one of the rare instances where the actual elevator manufacturing company has decided to create their own screen media network. It's called the Schindler Media Network. Um, and uh, they are teaming up uh, with a Berlin-based startup called Hyg, uh, H-Y-G-H, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing that right. Um, and they're already in the business of selling advertising spots and inventory in uh, retail shop windows. And so basically they're acting as the sales agent uh, promoting the inventory that's now available uh, in, in the Schindler uh, elevators. So I think it's pretty interesting. The network uh, is, is uh, starting in 12 German cities, more cities and screens are being added. Um, and, uh, it kind of gives, uh, the way they're pitching it is, is sort of, it's intended for both residential and office buildings, uh, and kind of giving building owners that use Schindler, uh, elevators or now access to the Schindler media network as sort of a full on end to end solution, uh, where it's all installed and operated and monetized for, uh, for them, you know, with revenue sharing and all the things that go with that. So I think it's, uh, it's pretty interesting to see sort of the manufacturer jump into the, you know, out of home space in this context. And obviously like what the other thing about these types of screen networks is they tend the, you know, the content that appears on there tends to be truly hyper-local. So it could be, you know, if this is a residential building, like for example, let's say it's my parents, you know, uh, seniors, uh, condo building there, you know, it can be promoting, you know, advertising, but it could also be promoting, you know, things that they need to know, um, you know, from the building, you know, itself in terms of uh, maintenance, you know, schedules or, you know, uh, owners meetings or, you know, whatever the case might be, right? So um, I think it's, it's kind of neat that way. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, from a business perspective, what I love about this is like you sell an elevator, you sell it once, but you sell advertising over and over again. And I think that from a revenue um, standpoint, this is a great opportunity for them. Like they've got the the real estate that's there. And obviously there's rev share um, implications that are involved here. But um, I think this is 
you know, a natural progression is thinking like, what else can we do with our, you know, our real estate, if you will, if you will. So I think that this is really, um, it's smart, right? And I, I believe they also make like escalators and other things like that. So I'm sure they're starting to think about, is there ways to, you know, provide some type of screenage there, you know, on the sides or on the stairs or, you know, what else can they work in? Um, so I like that. And I do, I do like that it is hyper-local. It can be tied to, you know, a shopping center. It could be tied to a residential building. It can be tied to what's going on within that shopping center or, you know, nearby or upcoming concerts or, you know, anything that's kind of happening. So just like any other digital out of home space. But what I also think is interesting is that the ability to know um, a little bit more concretely, like who you're advertising to um, when it's in a specific location versus a billboard, which tends to have a lot of fluctuation in traffic and driving by. And you can get a lot of great data today, but um, I think that in a captive building, you're going to have a little bit better um, sense of who the audience is and whose eyes are on that. Yeah, well said. Um, so that's it. That's our show for this week. Four interesting stories, a bunch of stuff around out of home and local delivery um, wrapped in there. But uh, yeah, uh, always, as always, um, you know, there's there's you know, some interesting things happening around our world of location. And we appreciate your time, everybody. So thank you for listening and watching. Uh, please reach out if you have story ideas or feedback for us. Uh, as Brianna pointed out, if you live in uh, in Little Elm or Frisco, Texas or whatever, and you have access to this wing uh, pilot project, uh, try it out, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Um, and uh, of course, we'll be back next week with yet another show. So have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Oh, 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 oh,